All right, folks. So, you know, it's, I have to say that um, I, I listened to the um, previous podcast from last week and I was a little bit embarrassed because it's, it seems like I have a lisp and maybe I still do. I, I don't know. Um, at least my S's. Is that, was that, is that kind of squishy there? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, damn. It makes you seem more intelligent, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so the reason why is that I, I had a, a, a recent um, dental issue, and that has affected a little bit of my job movement, but it will get better. Please don't worry. <laughs> Usually, Brock pronounces his S's much better. Anyway, so, okay, so here we go. Uh, there is this talk that you've heard about. And by the way, with me today, uh, my co-host is Devin Goodman. He's been our uh, co-host before in the past. been always a pleasure. And so I, I think this is your third time. Is that right? Yeah, third time. And I'm really grateful to be here. Thank you so let's, much for having me. Let's make it a charm, <laughs> shall we? All right. So you hear this expression, Devin, don't you, that... Uh, the vast majority of scientists believe that uh, global warming is man-made, and we have to really worry about that. And uh, the, you know, ninety-seven percent of scientists believe that. Never mind, uh, you know, who are these scientists? For one thing, I mean, if you're, uh, I don't know, you could be an architect. You're, you're kind of a scientist there. You can be a dentist. That's kind of a scientist. Um, but that they would opine on, on global warming, they would have you... Anyway, you get the idea. They love that phrase. And then they also say the vast majority of people in the 2020 riots, uh, which they would call demonstrations, were, mostly, were, were peaceful. The vast majority were peaceful. And therefore, it was wonderful. <laughs> which I always love to say, you know, the vast majority of the time, Charles Manson was not a killer. That's true, right? I mean, you could say that. In fact... There was a much smaller percentage of his killing people, uh, Charles Manson, for that matter, Ted Bundy and, and Jeffrey Dahmer and all those, those bad boys, much smaller percentage than there were of the, um, uh, the, the, the violence in the 2020 demonstrations, right? So uh, they're more peaceful, in a sense, than, than these demonstrators were. How about that? But you could say that. Anyway, they, they love that phrase. The vast majority. When it suits them, then suddenly it's the vast majority. <laughs> so I, I, we're going to have some fun with this. Okay, so, but, but, okay, I'll start off with this. Uh, you know, the vast majority of the population is not racist. How about that? But they would have you believe that we are, you know, racist to our core. It's, a, it's systemic, no less. Uh, but... They don't have these people. I mean, you know, survey after survey shows that there is virtually no racism whatsoever, right? And then the vast majority of cops, uh, and this is much more than the, 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 the violence that we saw in 2020, uh, the vast majority of them are not uh, racist and do not beat up uh, innocent, unarmed black men. In fact, there's very few examples of that whatsoever. Oh, what about George Floyd? Okay, well, first of all, there was no racism associated with that. There was just one cop who went too far with one man who happened to be black, but there was no racism involved. But that, put that aside, even if, he, even if he were racist, even if he said to himself, I'm going to kill this George Floyd guy, I, and I'm going to kill him because he's black, all right, which didn't happen. But let's say 
Okay, but that's but still that doesn't mean that all of the cops are like him uh, in the you know the, the proverbial uh, you know general sense. So that that's madness. The, the argument is madness uh, to say this. Um, He's just the small minority of cops yeah. that, and there's something to that because it's like it shows it was such an exception that they could take so much out of because there's no other thing to draw on. The, the fact that you can hear, that they can know the names. This is a point I made, uh, you know, after, what's his name, the, the Trayvon, Trayvon Martin uh, situation. The, the fact that you can remember the names of these supposedly innocent black men, but let, let, let's assume that they are, uh, again, for the sake of discussion, um, that, that you can remember them and count them on, at best, two hands. That means, by definition, there are very few people I mean, it's a little bit like the Wild West. People talk about the Wild West. When you think of the Wild West, you think of, you know, um, roving gangs going out and shooting people up and, you know, robbing trains, right? And, and going to saloons and having bar fights. And uh, No, the, the Wild West was not wild in that way. It was wild in the sense of, you know, untamed frontier. You know, you had to conquer the territory and build roads and all that stuff. So in that sense, yes, it was wild in nature. But... This is a point, actually, that Ari brought, brought up a long time ago. I really liked it, so I want to give him credit. Um, he, he pointed out that Doc Holliday and, uh, you know, what's the other guy's name? Billy the Kid uh, and a couple of the other guys like that. The reason why you know their names is because there are so few of them. You know, if it was happening all the time, then they wouldn't have their fame, their, their notoriety, right? So, in fact, uh, despite, you know, the perception... Um, the Wild West, uh, the so-called Wild West, was not wild in that way. Uh, the vast majority of people loved uh, their communities, and you know they, they did have confrontations with uh, Native Americans. That's true. But in terms of w- with each other, everyone had guns. Everything was pretty safe at the time. Uh, and they understood that having a gun was necessary. And you can say also that the vast majority of people, and this is historically and the Wild West and now, really would prefer not to get into a confrontation. Especially would be, like, if I actually was in a fight where I had to save my life and I had to take somebody else's life to do it, I would feel guilty the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, I've, I've actually done things where I've, like, I've struck back at somebody and then, like, no matter what they did to me, suddenly, like, what I did hurt me so much more and that guilt was way worse than the actual like oh i see yeah right. well okay that's yeah. another topic i suppose but yeah. but but i have to say that uh you know depending on the circumstances obviously if, if somebody was trying to you know kill my uh my my family one way or the other uh and i had to kill somebody uh who was trying to threaten my kids or my my wife uh, you know and i had to kill them I wouldn't feel any compunction about that at all. I would, I would, you know, my, my nerves would be, would be frayed. But, um, but once all was said and done, the fact that I killed a man who was trying to kill my family, that's the big caveat. I, I wouldn't think twice about it, you know. And likewise in war, if, if, I, if I were going out against the Nazis, let's say, back in World War II, um, and I killed, killed me some Nazis, I don't think I would think too badly about it. Um, I, I wouldn't fret about it. It's, that's the way the world works. If, if they wanted to kill me, I, I killed them instead. Okay, fine. Anyway, but, but moving on to the more, more uh, you know, the whole concept of vast majority. But the whole point is that they, they use that phrase when it's convenient for them. They don't use it uh, when it's inconvenient for them. 
<clears throat> because they, they have nothing else. So the vast majority of people in America, and cops for that matter in America, are uh, far from racist. In fact, it it's just doesn't exist. The white, and yet they, they go out there, the DA, uh, Garland, right, the, the um, attorney general, and he says that the biggest threat that America faces is uh, domestic terrorism from white supremacy. <laughs> right? Where are they? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if it was such, I mean, it's not just a threat. It's the biggest threat. It's happening all over. You, you can't see it, <laughs> but it's there, right? Where are they? I mean, we live in a time of iPhones and videos and everything else and street cameras. Where, where are the, the great secret meetings of the white supremacists? You can have a, like the equivalent of James O'Keefe on the liberal side, right? You know, sneaking into a white supremacy meeting in the basement of some, you know, uh, KKK uh, place in, in, I don't know, wherever, Charlottesville, right? Because they love that place. Yeah. Um, and there they are. They're plotting against America. They want to overthrow America, right? These racist bastards. Where are they? You, you don't see a parade. You don't see a demonstration. You don't see signs. You don't see treatises or, or threats on Twitter or otherwise, Facebook. You hear a lot of talk about those damn white supremacists, but where are they? I would even go so far as to say that the vast majority of Americans are not white supremacists. Yeah, I would say, I would say that. Yeah. And it's the vast, vast majority. I mean, not, not the 97% of scientists believe uh, about the global warming thing. This is 99.9999999% okay? That's what I think. How about that? Uh, I, I, don't doubt, I don't doubt there's a couple of guys, maybe even five guys. I, I, but what they believe and what they do are two different things, first of all. Um, and we're not seeing any of the action that they claim is happening, let alone the threat that we all need to guard against as the biggest threat against America. Right? So where is that? Exactly. And that's one of the things with Merrick Garland, who could have been a Supreme Court justice mm -hmm. and is the attorney general right now. And he gives absolutely no evidence. Yeah. You would think someone who's a lawyer, like after a first year, would be like, hey, if I'm going to make a statement, I'm going to have a bunch of evidence to support that statement. Yeah. But he says a lot of vitriol. He tries to divide our country by race, which is horrible and has been done before. And it's a horrible thing. But he offers no evidence and no like way to cure it and say like, but if we all do X, Y, and Z, then like that's going to go away. We can all go together and show everyone is, you know, wants to fight this. Yeah. Okay. That's such a great point. Uh, no, look, I mean, it, at some point, Americans have to scratch their heads and say, what is this all about? I mean, it's, it, you know, Jesse Smollett, he, I mean, Dennis Prager brings this up a lot. And I, I think it's true even before he said this, that, you know, they have to invent these uh, hate crimes and it's not just Jesse Smollett. It's also these people that claim to, uh, that, that, you know, draft graffiti on uh, church walls with swastikers and, and anti-Semitic tropes uh, and anti-black tropes. Um, and then they say, oh, look at this. Uh, racism is afoot and anti-Semitism is afoot. And, and it, they can't find any real legitimate um, Anti-Semitism. Again, I'm not saying it's out there, that it's not out there. I'm, I'm Jewish. You're Jewish. <clears throat> we, we know that anti-Semitism is a thing, but I, I, don't, I don't walk out of the street and wonder whether I'm going to be attacked because I'm a Jew. Now, in France and some other European countries, yeah, I'd be worried. 
uh, but not in America. Um, that's, it's not, not so far, at least. The only anti-Semitism that I experience is from the left, uh, the, certainly not from the right. And that's where they'll find all their racism and anti-Semitism is... I, now I can't do an S. <laughs> all their racism and anti-Semitism is the one place they never look, and that's the mirror. Ooh, he went there. He used the M word, <laughs> the mirror. I like it. No, it's a very good point. Um, so there, there, there are more examples of this. I mean, it's so much fun to do the vast majority argument. Uh, most people uh, didn't get hospitalized, didn't die from COVID. And the, from, from the, those people who were infected with COVID. So, for example, not for example, but we, we found out from the Stanford study that uh, the infection rate was something like 84 times what we had previously thought. This is back in 2020, which, of course, wildly decreased the mortality rate by definition, right? right. So if you're including people that the COVID virus just kind of passes through, they don't even know they have it, well, then, sorry, buddy, but your, your mortality rate grew, you know, goes down dramatically. And that's an issue for them. So the vast majority of people who were infected, and again, this, this gets to the, you know, to the 99.8% when you collectively turn it on, um, of people who were infected were not, didn't, were not hospitalized and did not die from it. And then when it comes to the kids, uh, the vast majority, I think of all the people who died, um, I think it was 0.5 or 0.05% Yes, 0.05% uh, were kids under the age of uh, eight or something like that. It was something wildly low. And that's not even a good number because that's only of the people who died. But the chances of your eight-year-old, your seven-year-old dying from COVID uh, is even lower than that, right? Because it's a much broader group of people. So... The vast majority. There, there you go again. But, but that all went out the window. We've got to shut down the entire uh, country. And as I mentioned many times on this podcast and on my Sunday show, the, um, the Johns Hopkins study revealed that very few people were actually saved uh, from, as a result of the, the shutdown. <laughs> I mean, may, they said maybe, maybe we would have had 0.2% less in the way of uh, fatalities. That's it, mortality. That, I, I, I mean, so we shut down the entire world to save maybe, maybe, uh, whatever 0.2% is, okay, of a million. What is that, 2,000? Yeah, 2,000 people. Yeah. So that's it, right? Was it worth it? Well, if, you, if you're the, the kind that says, well, every life is precious, okay, I, I get it. Um, and then it was worth it. But, but then, of course, you have to balance that out against all the people who died of suicides, depression, uh, lost their jobs, um, drug overs, overdoses, um, you know, murders and increased crime and so on like that. I, I, you know, you have to balance it out if, you, if you're going to say that. And what's curious about that is the vast majority of people who are proponents for the lockdowns do not want to discuss the Johns Hopkins or Stanford studies or any other study about the results or the effects of their lockdown that they pushed. Wow, that's true. They they don't want to talk about it because, you know, we, we always talk to them about numbers and then they don't want to talk about how the vaccines, of course, the vast majority of vaccines, people who take the vaccines don't get the benefit of immunization. There's this hypothetical 
discussion where somehow if you take it then that and then you do get infected, well, it'll reduce your symptoms or the impact of getting COVID. But uh, they don't know that. They, they, I mean, how, how could they possibly know that what would have happened? Unless, I think you brought this up, Devin. Yeah, Devin brought this great point. So I'm going to give you credit on this one. Um, you had to have, the only way to, to test that theory, that it would have been better uh, or would have been worse if you didn't take the vaccine, is if you had two identical twins, right, who lived virtually identical lives, for that matter, in in the same city, let's say, and 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 virtually identical interactions with other people and so on, same diet, otherwise, right? Everything would have to be pretty much identical. And one takes the vaccine, one doesn't take the vaccine, and they both get COVID. And now we wait and see. <laughs> that, then you might be able to argue that not having taken the vaccine uh, you know, increased your chances of, of death or, you know, hospitalization or pain as a result of COVID. But no, no, no I, I don't think so. I, 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 no one's proven to me that taking the vaccine, getting the vaccine does anything better than, than you to take some Zycam during, during, if you're infected. That's it. So anyway, the vast majority, going back to that, the, 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 uh, the vast majority of the vaccine argument, it just doesn't seem to fly. And uh, another one that I love is that when it comes to Christian history. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Christianity. I'm a big fan of Judaism. I'm a big fan of the Judeo-Christian mindset. And they will, they will love to say, well, you know, I mean, people try to dismiss my books all the time and my arguments about the dangers of atheism. What about the, um, the, the Crusades? What about the Inquisition? Um, and then they, you can almost hear them holding the mic and dropping it. Yeah, I'm out of here. Thank you. I'm here all week. Uh, and, and they really think that they've got me as if somehow I never thought about that. You know, me, you know, for, you know, most of my life fighting this very argument. And I haven't, I, I had made these arguments when I was an atheist only to be told, you know, what a chump I was. You, you actually want to count the numbers. Okay. Let's, let's, let's talk about the numbers. And I wrote about this in Atheism Kills and Murder by Numbers. And atheism has got, you know, Christianity beat by hundreds of thousands, uh, multiplication. Uh, that really, it's, it's, it's obscene. To say nothing, okay, so if you look at the span of history, let's, let's assume for the sake of discussions that the Inquisition and the Crusades, um, and for that matter, witch burnings, if you want, were all commanded by the Pope, no less, all right, and Martin Luther, <laughs> both both sides of Christianity, and they they insisted, let's go kill those witches, uh, let's uh, let's engage in the Inquisition, and let's uh, let's kill as many Jews and people don't like don't don't think like us during the Crusades. It's not true, it's not true at all, but let's say, all right. So the numbers here we are with the vast majority. You know where I'm going with this. Uh, in the Crusades, there were something like a million people total. In all the hundreds of years of the Crusades, it wasn't just like one year the Crusades. There were many Crusades, um, about a million. Okay, it's a lot of people, but uh, over 350 years, not much. And then you've got the um, Inquisition, where there was only 350 people who were killed. Uh, actually, 250 people over the span of about 200, 300 years. Okay, so 
And witch burnings? Okay. <laughs> You've got a total of 19, 19 people who were killed in the Salem witch trials. That's it. Uh, so, and, and there's, there's some witch burnings that happen in Europe as well, a little bit more than that, but still a tiny, tiny fraction. And you compare that to what atheism has wrought, every atheist government, and I, I would like to say the vast majority of atheist arguments, but that, uh, governments, but that would be inaccurate because all of the atheist governments engaged in horrific brutality, murders, rape, torture, enslavement, Okay. Other than that, atheism as a form of governance is, is awesome. Just awesome, right? So one could argue over a span of 2,000 years, I mean, this is, this is really, this is so disingenuous when the atheist argues against me on this. They, they, they only look at the things I mentioned, right? The Inquisition, the Crusades, and the witch burnings, and they say, done. Also, okay, in fairness, the, the priest molestations. And they, they look at nothing else. That's it. I mean, it's like me, you know, looking at uh, Devin and there's a, let's say he doesn't have one, but let's say he had a pimple on his uh, cheek right now. And that's all I could focus on. You know, Devin, you know, he's got that pimple. I can dismiss him, right? Everything else he's he's done that's good in life, nah, we we don't need to talk about that. (laughs) But the vast majority of Devin is a a good guy. Um, And... You know, they, they don't want to talk about all the good that Christianity has done, such as the university, the hospital system, the charity system, the school system for, for kids, um, AA for that matter, uh, the scientific method and so many other things I discuss, uh, to say nothing of the discoveries and the inventions. <laughs> like, I mean, that all goes by the wayside. And I mean, over a 2,000-year history, what did you expect? I, mean, I think it's quite remarkable that over 2,000 years, that that's all that happened in an institution. I mean, what other institution can you say has had such a pristine history? Relatively, you know, every, everyone has blemishes, but it's man-made. And then they expect it to be perfect. Anyway, you get the idea. It's vast majority argument. Yeah, it's a mostly peaceful religion. <laughs> and we can't get that, though, because yes. the vast majority of kids in college learn only about the, like, the mistakes and the tragedies of Christianity. They don't learn about actual Christianity. Right. That's very funny. And you're right. Uh, but you, you use that phrase, mostly peaceful religion, right? So obviously that's the phrase that the left used quite a bit when it came to Islam. And they say, oh, it's a mostly peaceful religion. Okay, that's fine. But 90, I think it was like 98% of terrorist attacks were from Muslims on behalf of Islam. So, you know, you could say, all right, I mean, it depends how you can say it. You, certainly you can say that not all Muslims are terrorists. But you can say that virtually all terrorists are Muslims, right? I mean, today, these days, and in the past, for that matter. And that's not a good thing, right? But it's so funny when they say that, that most uh, terrorists or whatever, most of these Muslim young men are not, they're mostly peaceful. Okay, but, (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry to say, but it's the the argument is the same that we just said about Charles Manson and Jeffrey Dahmer and, and Ted Bundy. They were mostly peaceful guys. Most of the time, they were not killing people, right? By definition, by definition, yeah. And isn't it disrespectful too? You have a guy who spends a long time seriously studying a religion and chooses to do a terrorist re- attack on behalf of the religion. And then you say, oh no, that's not true Islam. Or it's, um, 
yeah. that that poor guy died for this. Right. Like he knew it. He like give him a little bit respect of what he was thinking on that subject. Yeah, no, you have to take you have to take him on on his own words, so to speak. But but it's so funny. Like these people who say that are, are typically people who are not Muslim, who have no idea what they're talking about. I mean, they might be right. I'm not saying that they're wrong. But they, they certainly have no idea what they're talking about. And, and their, their desire to believe that uh, we should dismiss uh, the possibility that somehow it was their uh, Islam and there's something in Islam that motivated to, to do this horrific terrorist act, uh, that, that's, that's bizarre. And it's wrong for them to just dismiss it and to tell me what... what um, what Islam is all about. In the meantime, they say about Christianity how horrific it is, right? And, and Judaism, for that matter, and Mormonism. That is, uh, those three, you know, they're, they're all evil, right? The vast majority of them are evil, but they're perfectly willing to dismiss, um, and sorry, they're perfectly willing to give a pass to all of Islam, saying how wonderful it is, because it's mostly peaceful. Why, why can't they say that about Christianity? Yeah. But but you see, but you will see soon enough that they are going to demonize, and they are demonizing Christianity to a point of absurdity. Uh, there, there's more, of course, and um, there's the uh, the guns, right? I mean, the, the vast majority of gun owners are not killers. Yeah, they're not even mass shooters. Mm. <laughs> Wouldn't you know? Um, and and that's basic statistics. I mean, we all know that. But so they they will say, by contrast, well. Because what they see, Devin, is they, they see um, innocent kids being slaughtered, which is, of course, horrific. Every life is, is precious. Um, it, these group killings are what kind of garner the headlines. But if your kid is the only kid, let's say, to get killed by some random shooter, uh, your suffering is no less than the parent who lost his child in a mass shooting, Right. It doesn't have to, uh, even have to be a child. But somehow, uh, they, they, would, they would have you believe that the only shootings out there are, are these you know, um, AR-15s um, with automatic whatever. And therefore, we should get rid of these rifles. But as Devin will now explain, that's not quite an accurate picture. Exactly. And it's, um, if you look at actually who is, um, like what guns are being used the most for murder... It is pistols, but the rifles are scary looking. And if you look at what the pistols are being used for with murder, it's usually suicide, not homicide. It's just the best, most efficient way to kill yourself, which is a horrible thing. But to question you a little bit on your logic with guns, just to go back, with all due respect, you said the vast majority of gun owners are peaceful. But that's not the liberal argument. People don't have choices. It's the gun that's doing the shooting. That poor guy just happened to be holding the gun that's killing everybody because the gun is actually the problem, not the kid. <laughs> I thought, how dare you disagree with me, Devin? But, the, but, but you made a good funny there. I like it. I like that a lot. Yes, yes. And here's another vast majority thing for you. It turns out that the vast majority of uh, mass shootings, uh, 94% of them, no less, which I would consider vast majority, uh, occur in gun-free zones. Yes. Wow. How do you like that? No, was that right. a law that made it a gun-free zone? No, wait, you, yes, no, no they, they make a law, they decide yeah. that this is a gun-free zone, and, and the shooters know that 
where they're going to go. There, there are no guns that would, uh, you know, uh, you know, counter, what's the word looking at? Uh, defend against them. And so they've got, uh, you know, unfortunately, sadly, tragically, they've got, you know, like a shooting fish in a barrel, as it were. And that's the way they view it. They, they, they fear not, uh, as it turns out. And of course, we all know that and many shooters say that the reason why they didn't shoot this or that place is because they saw a security guard in front of this or that school or a bank or otherwise, and they move on to some place that they perceive to be less uh, secure, more vulnerable, right? So it's an absurd thing. It's all salience, folks. It's only what you see, and they would have you believe that this is happening all over the place. It's not. In fact, the vast majority of kids are, in fact, very safe. Uh, I think somebody compiled statistics on schools, school shootings in particular, mass school shootings, like the one we had in Uvalde, and then, of course, before that, Colorado and, um, uh, yeah, Columbine, and uh, the one in Connecticut, I forget the name of it, uh, in 2012. Sand yeah. It was very sad. Yeah. Um, but you add them all up, and it's a total of 158 or something like that since 1960. Wow. All right? So, look, every life, uh, every one of those is precious. And every family uh, suffering through the death of that child is, uh, you know, it's, it's incalculable, the suffering. Um, but in perspective, you know, we, we, do we want to get rid of all guns because for the sake of these 158, it's a little bit like the COVID thing we just talked about. For the sake of 2,000 people, do we shut down the entire economy? And the answer should be no, although some idiots would say that that, it would be yes, uh, but you get the idea. So guns are such a great example of this vast majority argument that they, they themselves, you know, you, you point it back to them and they, they dismiss you. They, they can't argue about this point. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And uh, one thing to add to it, too, is just like COVID, the vast majority of the people in power are not going to give up their guns. Like the vast majority of the people who are enforcing the lockdowns are not following the lockdowns. They're doing their own thing. It's only for us. They get the the automatic, a like M one six or like so they could use that. But we don't get even like the civilian AR fifteen. Wow, that's great. Yes, uh, there's vast majority arguments to be made all around this place, isn't it? I mean, in, in terms of guns, in terms of COVID, in terms of the vaccines, in terms of uh, the history of Christianity and such. I mean. I, if, if only they would listen to their own arguments and understand that we could apply the same thing uh, to, to our own arguments, our own. Now, for example, abortion. Um, the, the vast majority of abortions, the vast, vast majority are for convenience. Mm -hmm. Okay. What they will pretend is that somehow they, they'll always talk about what? Their, um, their choice and their... Oh, life. no. I'm, I'm, when they talk about in order to convince you that a woman shouldn't be forced to have a baby, they'll always go to what, what examples, situations? Oh, rape or incest or yeah. Yeah. Or life of the mother, right? Right. Okay. So life of the mother is right out. I mean, they, I, I don't know a single situation in the past, I don't know, 50 years of a doctor saying, well, we got to, we got to have an abortion because you know, the life of the mother is at stake here. And you're, I mean, it's, it's just not happening. And you're a parent. So tell me like, what circumstance can you actually think about where you're like, no, no, no. You're not going to take my life. Take one of my kids. <laughs> exactly right. No, that would never happen. But, but this is going back to the vast majority part of it. The, 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 it's, it doesn't even exist. The, the health of the mother is 
I'm not saying it's zero, but I'm probably saying it's probably about four, maybe out of all the abortions out there. And yet they would center, they would, they would, um, uh, what's the one, circle the wagons around this one argument. Um, and they would, I should say, center their argument around this life of the mother thing. Oh, this poor mother. And we should, therefore, abortion should be, you know, free and easy access uh, for everyone, uh, for every, every time because of what, the four mothers that uh, supposedly uh, were going to lose their own lives if they didn't have an abortion, really? And the same thing for a rape, same thing for the incest. Uh, now, I'm sure that's, that happens more often, tragically, than it would be for the health of the mother. But still, that is a tiny fraction, tiny fraction of the actual abortions out there. The real abortions and what we're really talking about is uh, women that decide that they're going to have reckless, unaccountable sex and they find themselves knocked up and, hey, you know what, I'm going to just get rid of this baby. Or they, they regret it later on, maybe two weeks later, maybe the boyfriend has left them. Um, and they decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have an abortion. That's what's really going on. Let, let's not pretend that somehow the vast majority of these abortions are women who are just so unlucky in terms of uh, being raped and, uh, you know, the health of the mother and incest. Uh, come on, let's, let's, let's be real here, okay? It's really for convenience at the end of the day. That's all they want to do. And to add to that, like with the, um, just to get, there might be like a certain race that has the majority of abortions, even though they are a minority. And so in twofold, you can think about that where they're like, oh no, like what, like who's going to want to adopt that colored child? Well, some, because they think conservatives and people who would want to adopt are racist. Well, in fact, the exact opposite is true. And everybody would want to adopt that child. Yeah. I mean, it's a misnomer altogether that somehow, um, I mean, look, the adoption argument, people, Obama said this, um, and most abortion advocates say the same thing, which is why should a woman be uh, straddled, uh, hampered by uh, having a, a little baby, which she didn't want, right? Isn't that terrible? Like, who says that she has to have it, that she has to keep it? We're saying she can put it up for adoption. What's the problem here? Is this really hard? The, the, the demand for adoption is so high in this country, and I think all over the world for that matter. Uh, so it's, it, they just ignore that in the same way they, they ignore the whole vast majority argument altogether, right? right? They ignore all the good that Christianity has done. They ignore the fact that most uh, gun owners are not killers and so on. They, they, they just ignore all these things. Um, and the vaccine and the COVID thing are so emblematic of all that. Because um, now we know we have so much more information. All the things that I, I had said um, from the very beginning of the, of the pandemic turned out to be correct. The, and the reason why I didn't panic, not because I'm a great foreseer of how things will be. I just know one thing about viruses, and that is that the more contagious a virus is, the less lethal it is. That's the way it works. That's, that's what viruses do. They're, they're not interested in killing you. They, they're only interested in propagating. That's it. And if it's very contagious, it'll act like a cold. A cold doesn't kill you. You don't worry about, you know, if little Johnny gets a cold, you might hold him back from school for that day, but you won't think that he's going to die. You know, my, my wife would never call me up. Oh, my God, you know, little Johnny, you know, he got a cold. Let's take him to the hospital. You know, he's going to die. <laughs> no. 
It's got a cold. Yeah. Sniffles. That's the way it works. But they can always find somebody who dies of a cold. People die from colds too. Oh, yeah. Anyway, the vast majority of people don't. <laughs> there you go. So th- th- this is the argument with abortion as well. Uh, there's, there's not a single uh, sacrificial cow or um, sacred cow of the left that cannot be dismantled by the, their own vast majority argument. They use it when it's convenient for them. What's funny is that the, I would say the vast majority, but again, it applies to all of their policies. Um, all of their policies. Let me repeat, all of their policies have failed. Every single one. There's not been one uh, policy, especially one that conservatives have opposed that has ever worked. I, not I, one. I have to um, say uh, the political parties switched and Trump was actually a Democrat and oh. that's why the economy was so good. It was under a Democrat and Biden, it, the party switched and he's actually a conservative and that's why gas prices and Putin controls our gas prices. Interesting. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> it's, cra- it's crazy, Sweet. but I'll go with it. It's like when they say that uh, the, the party switched in the late 60s and the 70s. Um, like they got together in a room and they say, you know what? We Republicans, we don't feel like being Republicans. We want to be more dastardly like you guys, the Democrats. Would you mind if we switched? And the Democrats look at each other. Yeah, cool. We'll be like the Republicans were. And you be like the Democrats and we switch. I mean, do, do people actually take this seriously? I mean, I, I think that's fascinating. If someone were to tell, to tell them, like, well, yeah, it's true, the Democrats were the party of Jim Crow, and they they fought for slavery, not against slavery, and so forth, and and you had all these bad guys, but they, they switched. That's the reason why. What a convenient way of turning this around, right? And now the Republicans want to be the party of slavery, of Jim Crow, <laughs> and racism generally. Weird, weird people out there, I have to tell you. And it's an interesting thing, too, and one of the ideas about, like, where, okay, the vast, let's say that's true, the vast majority believe this. Like, I'm always curious, okay, what, what about the minority? Like, yeah. are, isn't the Democrat Party the party of minorities? Like, yeah. what does the minority feel? Like, actual qualified doctors or scientists who study global warming, if there's a minority who disagrees with the vast majority, that's actually going to be interesting no matter what. Well, of course, the, but, but the, what they do, the Democrats, is they shut down any dissent because they've decided, well, you know, we're going to fashion a, a vast majority of, of this. And then anyone who disagrees is, is a, uh, a Neanderthal. They're the equivalent of a Holocaust denier. And, uh, you know, argument closed. That's it. Debate resolved. So uh, one last thing that I, we, we should bring up is the, uh, the, the transgender issue, right? So here we are talking about transgenderism. I, I have to tell you, uh, and, and it's interesting, my Uber driver today, we, you know, we were of like mind and such, but, but I even asked him, I said, what, what do you think the percentages of, um, or a fraction, if you like, of people who truly have gender dysphoria, people who are really confused and hate their own bodies because they feel, they perceive themselves to be the opposite sex of what they, what they biologically are. What do you think that is? Not, not the, you know, this um, au courant sort of fashionable new, new thing that young teenage girls want to be like boys. I'm not talking about that. Those are just attention seekers who are seeking popularity for whatever reason. Because um, I think that's the vast majority of what's happening in, in high schools today. Um, 
but for those who are truly affected by gender dysphoria, what, what is the ratio? And I, I think you already know it, right? I mean, do, do you know it? Oh, okay. So take a guess. Oh, this is great. Take a guess. Um, what, what, what is your perception? Don't, don't just throw at me a number. Based upon all the discussion that we have in society today, and of course, it's a huge issue, right? And, you know, boys should be able to go in girls' bathrooms and all, all that stuff. T- tell me one out of how many people have that true gender dysphoria. It's got to be easily less than 1%. Okay. Yeah, I would say... Now, um, now, now, why are you saying that? Are you saying that because you know they're going to come up with a low number? Or, I mean, before, before we talked about it, what did you perceive? Because I can tell you that if I didn't know anything else and I only relied upon what the media was telling me and, and the big brouhaha that's going on today, I, I would think that one out of every four people, five people has this transgender issue. Yeah. That's what I would have thought. And that's what this Uber guy thought. He, he thought... Yeah, we, he says, I don't know, 20, 25%. And I said, okay, so, so one out of four, one out of five people. Because yeah, that sounds about right. And then I told him the actual number. The actual number is one out of 35,000 people. I don't even know what percentage. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess, yeah. yeah, I have. All right, well, we could, we could pull out a calculator. But whatever that percentage is, it's, it's obscene, right? And, and yet they want to change our language. They want to change everything. Anyway, the, it, it is fair to say the vast majority of people are not transgendered, okay? They do not suffer from this dysphoria. They don't. And... It makes no sense to turn our entire civilization upside down for their sake and to, to not make assumptions that he's a sir or she's a ma'am or to he, he's a he for that matter or she's a she and to change our pronouns and to not make any assumptions. I mean, it's crazy. And then to threaten our girls in locker rooms and bathrooms, really, that we're supposed to now deal with that because of the one out of 35,000 people. There's an insanity going on here. <laughs> but then you could say, I because mean, I have... They was well, those people are real people. We have to, even with that low ratio, Mr. Lurie, uh, you know, they're real people and they deserve our respect and we, we shouldn't make them feel ostracized. Even, but it's okay for them to ostracize and make our, our biologically, biological girls who feel like biological girls, uh, they, could, they should feel uncomfortable. They should lose in all their uh, sports and, and such because of this one out of 35,000 group of people. It's even more emotional argument that they have. They say that if you don't completely acknowledge and play, even when you're not even around this person, you have to still play that game. If you don't do that, they're going to kill themselves. Yeah. That's what we're being held hostage by. That's a great point. That's true. They, they, they will kill themselves. But, but you know, I have a strong argument in response to this. If, if you feel that there are real people who are really legitimately suffering and, and, and we have to we have to work our civilization around them instead of them working around us, right? I mean, no one's saying that we should beat them up. I mean, that's, that's, that's what they'll say, right? That, that we're advocating uh, hating transgenders. No, no. We're not. This, again, once again, we have to say what we're not saying. Uh, no one's saying that we shouldn't tolerate them, but they deserve our sympathy, our pity. Really, I mean, I mean sympathy and pity. Uh, because to not be comfortable in your own body is very unfortunate. But that's just the way, that's, that's your problem. Don't make it my problem. Don't tell me that, therefore, my sense of myself as a man, because I'm biologically male, uh, that's just some sort of you know, uh, social construct and so forth. No, it's not a social construct. It's a biological construct. 
And there are certain things that flow with that and, and, and certain expectations that go with that and obligations for that matter. And I like those things. And if I were, were a woman, I, I would be a woman. I, I'd be, you know, ha, you know, deal with it. You may, you may not like, you may be an angry feminist, let's say, who thinks that uh, men have better advantages and you may want that and you may think it's unfair, but that doesn't mean that you want to be a man. I mean, well, I guess, I guess Freud was right with penis envy. I mean, he, he must have been. And the question is also, how do they want to institute the education? They're so scared, like, not an adult, but like a five-year-old has to be completely down and know everything about this because if a five-year-old misuses their pronoun, oh, that's the end of the world. Or a 10-year-old, we can't forgive a child for being a child and only caring about their child world. It's disgusting. The whole thing is disgusting. We, we, um, we're seeing, and by the way, I, you know, the vast majority of people, 90%, are right-handed. Okay? Yeah. But left-handed people, you know, for, for them, life is a bit challenging. Okay? And do we turn our entire world around them? Do we, do we say you can write from left to right and, and, uh, and right to left if you like, whatever, you're cho- whatever you choose? Because it's, you know, we don't want to see you, you know, twist your left hand like you do when you write. Uh, Change where this, um, the, the, the gear shift is on a car. Right. Yeah, and I don't know how the British do it, by the way. But anyway, oh, right. but, because most of them are right-handed too. Right. Um, and, and, and what about scissors and all sorts of things that are associated with the right-handed world? The, the world is made for right-handed people. That, that's the way it is. And what about the left-handed people? There are a hell of a lot more left-handed people than there are transgendered people. A hell of a lot more. That is a really good point. Right? That is really yeah. good, yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you very and much. And how many left-handed stores are there? Honestly. Very few. I mean, I'm sure you can go on Amazon now. It's a lot easier. Right. But, but that's the point. We, we don't say, well, please don't assume that I'm right-handed. What, what, if, what if, I, if, I, if I go to shake somebody's hand, it's always with the right hand, right? Well, what if you're a left-handed person? That's insulting. You, you, I don't need to be part of your right-handed world. This is, yeah, I mean, th- that's what they could say. They could choose to be insulted by that. What about colorblinded people, right? Very true. It's, yeah. it, that's even harder for them. Uh, one out of 10 men is colorblind. Uh, yeah, that means transgendered men. <laughs> Not transgendered men, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. One out of 10 men, and it's, it's tough. I mean, I know a few people who are color, colorblind. Uh, and there's varying degrees, I, you know, but there's some are really severe, and it really affects the way they navigate through society. Is that fair? Do we do we now have to go up to each person because you can't see if somebody's colorblind automatically, right? So uh, I'm sorry, sir. You know, you see this uh, green thing, this green sign. I'm sorry. I, I'm assuming that you can see that. I, I understand that that's not fair for me to assume, but can you see that it's green, sir, and and red? Yes, I can. Okay, let's proceed then. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, you don't have that. What about deaf people? What about blind people? Deaf right? people. There are a hell of a lot more of those than there are transgender people. With the mask, deaf people, oh. the only way they know how to communicate with somebody, the only connection that they have is by lip breeding, and they took that completely away. And I don't know about one in 35,000 for deaf people, but I'm sure there's a couple more than that. Like, there's a hell of a lot more deaf people than there are transgendered people, of course. And it's a tough world for them, and it's a tough world for blind people for the same reason. Uh, and uh, nobody seems to talk about them. But the vast majority argument is, is an absurd one. Um, and, you know, we have to live in a world of vast majorities. They seem to acknowledge that, that the vast majority of Muslims are, you know, peaceful and... And the vast majority of the demonstrators were peaceful. 
uh, and the vast majority of scientists believe that man-made global warming. They expect us to live by that. And that's an argument that they make, but only when it suits their purposes. When it comes to our arguments and we throw it right back at them, they, they, they don't address it at all. At all. But my favorite one, and this is where I'll lead off with, uh, where, where I'll end with, is that the vast majority, in fact, all the, all the policies of the Democrats, every single one, has been a failure. Not the vast majority, all of them. There's not a single one you can point to which Republicans have opposed. I mean, where, where there's bipartisan uh, you know, agreement about something like, I don't know, building a, a bridge or something like that. Okay, that's not, not, not what I'm talking about. But Social Security, affirmative action, minimum wage, high taxes, uh, bigger government, uh, uh, the, um, uh, all the, uh, the COVID relief programs, uh, the way they handled COVID, the shutdown of the economy, uh, the way they're handling um, uh, you know, gay marriage and uh, the way they want to demonize God and, and society. Every single one of them has failed. <laughs> and you point it out to them. And they say, well, I, I disagree. But why do you disagree? And, and I always have a standing arrangement with anybody. Anybody can call me, email me, whatever, and say uh, one policy that Democrats have advanced that Republicans have opposed that has worked. And I will vote Democrat for the rest of my life. How do you like that? Yeah. Right? And, and not only that, but I'll vote for any proposition on the ballot that I can vote for, that is. I mean, assuming I can vote for it. Uh, the way you want me to vote. Okay? One. Just one. <laughs> and and they, they cannot come up with an answer. They have these wonderful notions of loving and caring and being compassionate and such like that. But that, that, that does not a good policy make. Uh, having great, uh, you know, good feelings and good intentions is not the way we operate this society. We have to, we have to focus on the vast majority. Have to. And, and a real vast majority, not, not a pretend one like the pretend white supremacy uh, problems in America. All right, folks. Well, thanks so much for listening. That's another uh, raucous Barack Larry podcast. And thank you, Devin Goodman, for being uh, part of the show. It was really meaningful that you were here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was one. It was Baracus. You know, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I don't cool. know. We, we got to edit that out somehow. But I, <laughs> uh, maybe we'll stick with it. All right, folks. Thanks so much for listening. This is Barack Larry signing off. And in the meantime, God bless, and we'll talk with you next week.